I like Tiger Woods. I was a big fan of him. Other good golfers there. Tiger's back to being competitive, but it's not Tiger versus the field anymore. But I do know Tiger brings the eyeball, so it's not really what PGA wants necessarily. I look for Dustin Johnson to have a good week this week, uh, but I do think any any one of those young guys winning would be cool. Um, but uh, it seems like Dustin Johnson, it might, might be his time. Okay. Okay, that's that's your golf coverage uh, from Joe. Okay. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck and Leela McRae with you. Let's go ahead and get this started. Let's look at high school soccer first. Ari Lee thumped page 8 nil. Another clean sheet for Ari Lee as they dominate Page, And they look at East Rock and Buffalo Gap in the coming week. Wilson, they're 6-1 right now. They go to Lee Friday, April 26th in what will be a mammoth game. Yeah, yeah and they, it's basically two weeks until they face each other, uh, the full week this week, and then uh, most of the week next week. I'm sure we'll kind of talk about it next week again, but... I mean, Lee looks as dominant as ever, and even when you know some of their starters are out with injury, they're they're still holding teams scoreless, still putting points on the board. Um, you can kind of see Balls. the games uh, where the, some of the starters were out, and it's just the less scoring games. But it, they've only given up at most one goal in a game, and that was tw- two different times this year. Uh, they play Gap this week. That was one of the teams that scored on them. So it'll be interesting if. Uh, they try to shut them, you know, have extra encouragement to shut them out. But I mean, it's a team that doesn't need extra encouragement. They're going to blow through this regular season, like we keep saying, and uh, we continue to see that. It will be interesting to see what happens in that Wilson game because Wilson, successful team, uh, you know, a good program. Their their coach is he's in his last season. He's going to go coach football at Buffalo Gap uh, next year. So it'll be interesting when you get to that game. I don't care what Wilson's record is. They're still going to be the high underdog in that game, but it, that'll probably be one of the biggest challenges Lee sees all season. We got two weeks to build up to it. Yeah, I think Lee's going to be fine in that. And, you know, we'll see. Well, They'll play the game anyway. But yeah, and but you never match. know. A couple of, Sorry, if if they have a couple of these injuries that have been lagging around, and all of a sudden you get in that game, you 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 don't know what'll happen. I mean, we always say we know, but a big underdog can win at some point. I. I would be shocked if that happens, but it'll be, it's one of the most challenging games Lee will have in the regular season. So I hate to just dismiss it, but they could be up for nothing quick. And that would shut us all up pretty quick. Uh, no disrespect <laughs> to Wilson, but unless Drake shows up at the Ari Lee locker room, taking pictures with the players, I think Ari Lee's going to win this. <laughs> the old Drake curse. Um, uh, moving over to high school baseball, the other high school action we're going to talk about this week. Big game last week, Page County and Riverheads met, I believe, last Thursday uh, up at Page County. And uh, Riverheads got shut out, two-hit shutout uh, performed there by the Page County Panthers. And uh, they must be pretty solid because I know Riverheads is solid. They're coming off a state championship year. And to hold Riverheads scoreless, much less only two hits, you got to be pretty good. And then plus they're undefeated. So uh, it looks like the Shenandoah District once again will have Teams going into the postseason with a lot of potential. It wasn't that long ago. Both Page County and Riverheads won the state championship in the same year, both out of the Shenandoah district. You could be looking at it at that again uh, by the time you get to May. There's a great line from Major League about only having two hits. I won't say it because it's not podcast appropriate. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like you said, just because Riverheads lost this game doesn't take away from Riverheads uh, baseball. 
it it would be great to win that game, but yeah. um, you know, when you're playing a one a 1A postseason and you're playing a two a regular season, these games are more of just trying to better yourself for that moment in the postseason for one a, uh, and it's not but they, not make or break. It, it isn't make or break, but you do want to be picking up wins. Uh, this one doesn't kill you, but you want to be sitting. You want to get home games when you get in that one sure. one uh, a, and you know beating a lot of two a teams will help you. I can tell you, Riverheads doesn't go up there and say, "Oh, we're playing a two a team." They they plan to beat them, and and they didn't. They didn't get it done, but. They'll have a Shenandoah district tournament. They still have their chance to set pretty in that. They're still sitting in second place in the district. So it's just not well, something that's the thing, right? Balls. If they're second place in the district, I would imagine worst case pretty. scenario, they're second place in that region. Um, probably not. Even, probably so. first, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the point. You don't even have to win the district to be the top seed in the region like you would if you were a two-way school. I mean, if you want to be the top seed in the region, you're going to need to win the district tournament. Uh at, at the 2A level, but at the 1A level, you don't necessarily have to do that. So between those teams we've already talked about, and you probably add in like a Wilson tennis into that yeah. mix, those are kind of the three teams you kind of look at, maybe bringing a state championship home. We're going to keep talking about those teams as these weeks go on, but that's the thing about spring sports. It's going to be over before you know it. Uh, the regular season will be at least. So uh, uh, keep tuning in to, to see what's going on there. All right, let's take it over to something that you're not going to care to say much about, but I have plenty to say. I I think sports fans in general have to take some happiness away from what happened this week in golf down at Augusta at the Masters because it's one of the greatest players of all time in that sport came back from an 11-year drought and won another major and you you know, we talk about the comeback story of UVA. It was brought up a lot today. This was a big comeback story for an individual athlete. Um, so I think a lot of sports fans can find some joy in that. I know you don't, but I've watched a lot of golf. So I really enjoyed watching the Masters this week. I, our opening has me saying that kind of, you know, dismissing that Tiger even has a chance. He went out there and won the thing. He, he put himself in a good position for the first time. He came back and won it. He wasn't in first place going into Sunday, and he came from behind to win. And basically that's because everybody fell to the pressure of what is Augusta, and it happens almost every year on 12. People fall apart in two groupings. Six players teed off on 12. Four of them double bogeyed because they put it in the water. It I'm not saying that's Tiger's pressure. I'm not saying that's all pressure in the moment. It's all the pressure of the course, all the pressure of the history that Augusta brings. But all of that pressure combined made those players fail in that moment. And down the stretch past that, there was few shots made. Uh, there was a lot of putts that almost went in that didn't for other players. Tiger was just slow and steady, and he was the last man standing. He, that was his approach, and that's what I really respect about what he did. Saturday night in his post-match or post-round interview, he said what his approach was going to be was to just keep himself in the mix and see what happens and not be overly aggressive. It's exactly what he did. His plan worked. It shows his experience on that course. It's his experience of winning 15 majors now, uh, five uh, at Augusta, and it was impressive. And we're, this is where you're probably going to have more comments. This was the, I mean, this is a, on the backside of a fall of a major athlete, a major force in sports. And I enjoyed seeing it come full circle and him having something good 
to talk about. I know you don't care about golf, but what are your thoughts about Tiger and what he was able to accomplish this weekend? Okay. So two things. I'll start with the not serious part. Um, I was actually at a uh, birthday party Sunday and one of the people there is super into golf. Yeah. Um, and was telling me very excitedly, Tiger won the Masters. And I could see he was very excited about it. I don't watch a lot of golf. I know who Tiger Woods is, obviously. Well, my um, goodness. But, <laughs> and because he was so excited, I just played along because I didn't have the heart to tell him, I just don't care about golf, Masters included. <laughs> um, but I played along and let him enjoy his moment. Um, but so unlike you, I actually don't care. If Tiger had never won another major again, I would have been okay. Um, We talk about this a lot uh, in terms of athletes are not the best role models for life. Um, Sure. For me, it's easier to overlook it in team sports, especially if I follow the team that that person is playing for because it's a team sport. And I can say, yeah, I like the team. I don't like the individual golf i can't do that golf is an individual sport and um there has been some stuff you know life experiences change how you view things too and there have been some life experiences in my life i can't support tiger woods and what happened in his fallout um and so for me seeing him win doesn't do anything for me i get why for golf it's a big deal I get why for the oh, African-American the community. Sport. I get why for the African-American community, it's a big deal. For those communities, I appreciate that. I, I get it. Um, and that's, again, life experiences. To them, that's somebody they look up to. They see Tiger Woods winning another major, and that gives them great excitement. Uh, from a personal standpoint, it was nice to see the picture from when Tiger won his first one and he's hugging his dad to yeah, now Tiger awesome. hugging his son. Uh, that was a cool picture. Um, but again, for me personally, I don't root for Tiger. It it means nothing to me. For golf, it jacks up the ratings for the next major because now yeah. now oh, they can yeah. say, "Oh, Tiger could win the PGA Championship now." And it'll it will be the highest rated PGA tournament of all time. Yeah, it, and just playing will be. It helps that they moved it up from August and it's next and it's only a month behind the master. Like it's going to, everything's playing to help it. And where some of the schedule changes that hurt probably the master's ratings yesterday, which I never even saw the ratings today, they're probably still monster for golf. Um, but the, the PGA will be the highest rated PGA tournament of all time. And if even if Tiger doesn't win that one, but still performs well, it's going to carry then onto the U.S. Open. It's going to carry on to the British. Uh, Tiger being good in that sport means everything to that sport. When Tiger retires, golf is going to be in danger of really dropping back. And some of those purses that have gotten so large will probably honestly shrink because Tiger has just pumped it up so far and it has been proven to a T that his relevancy really means people watching or not. So when he is actually done and when, you know, he says he's retired and he's not playing anymore, the golf's going to have to undergo a little bit of a change. And they're, they're going to really hope that some of these young guys that kind of shriveled up under the pressure this weekend are ready to go then. I mean, some of the best names that we have in golf, the Spieth, the McElroy's, uh, you know, those guys weren't McElroy. even around on Sunday, but there was a lot of other guys that are yawning good that are a little less popular than those two guys uh, that were around and, and they shriveled up in the pressure. But I mean, I p- picked Dustin Johnson. So obviously 
I don't have a, I, I, in my golf pickings of who's going to win or who I want to win. Cause I, I ended up rooting for tiger on Sunday. I mean, I picked a guy that had a problem with drugs previously to win the thing. So I, I really wasn't looking at that. I was looking at who's playing the best golf. Hey, they finished one and tied for two. If you're picking, so, you should never look at personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in golf, I, I do that in other sports. I don't, I mean, I'm a Homer in so many of my picks and, and when you see it all the time when we pick, but in golf, you know, when I say things out loud, I, I try to pick who I think is playing the wet best, who's going to dominate the course. Now back to kind of Tiger's role. I mean, I, I think Tiger taught me a lot about fandom, and I think I changed as a fan around the time that Tiger initially fell with a lot of his personal issues. And um, it was, you know, you can only have so much faith in these guys. You don't, you don't know who they really are. You don't know what they are. You don't know what they'll do. So I think I changed as a fan at that time. Now I'm still overly optimistic and I'm still blind eyed in a lot of ways, but I think for the individual fandoms, uh, whether they're team sports or individual play, I think I've adjusted how much faith I put in these guys. I did enjoy seeing it. I, I acknowledge what he did and it was wrong and he's not my kind of guy. I mean, it's not, he has never lived a lifestyle that I'm familiar with or I mean, the money would be nice, but, you know, it's just not the same as what I value. But I did like him succeeding in sports again. I liked his family there. Um, and you'd like to hope he's living a better life that is closer to what I value. But I have no faith in that, and I and I really count that out. I was just happy to see the champion of 14 years ago at the Masters or 11 years ago in any kind of major succeed again because you just don't see that in a lot of sports. And, you know, it brings up the comebacks. Like, a league ended up coming back at an older age. You know, Michael Jordan played into an older age, and he was the greatest. And this is that level. I mean, Tiger Woods is one of the greatest. I mean, you're you're, you're hard-pressed to go outside of top two in your argument about Tiger. You're either saying he's first or second. And you could, I think you can make arguments either way, but just concede second. It's still great to see the greatest doing doing the greatest. So I enjoyed it. I had a great Sunday watching it. And honestly, the schedule change really fit into my life well. So uh, it was a good day uh, for golf, a good day for PGA, and it was a good day for this sports fan. Yeah, and uh, because, you know, me saying I wasn't necessarily excited for him to winning, I don't want to put off the vibe that I'm actively rooting against Tiger. I, I honestly, I don't watch enough golf to care. Yeah. Um, it's but, like me, but I feel like this is probably the more – equivalent to the soccer talk with you and me because i don't hate soccer i have no problem with soccer i just like give you a rough time for keep talking about it and i think i mean you're not you're being nicer today about golf than you usually are usually with me you're pretty dismissive about even talking about it but this is a big it's story. the, I mean, this is the biggest yeah story. It I, I led all the it. news this weekend tennis i get excited about wimbledon and that's it and golf yeah. i still don't the master still doesn't get me in but i understand it's the biggest event in golf when Tiger was rolling, I probably watched a lot of golf. When he was less involved, I was only watching the majors. Um, and I think there's a lot of people like me. So that's that's kind of why I say about golf. And they better hope Tiger can really make a, another big, long run now and not just be a one-and-done for the majors here and really have shots at, at some future ones, which last year he was in contention in two of them. So there's no reason to think this is just a one-and-done situation for him. He's been contending for the last year. They just need to hope he, he has another – you know, four or five years in them. Just asking a lot. Yeah. Well, moving on, UVA celebrated their national championship Saturday at Scott Stadium. Today, Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter both declaring they will be entering the NBA draft. 
So UVA going to lose two other big players there. Um, I don't think Kyle Guy has declared yet. Yeah, he has a little bit of time. No huge surprise there. I mean, that's what we were talking last week with Barber that that might happen. Um, and it, oh, breaking news thinking, on uh, Facebook! Breaking news on Facebook from ESPN. Uh, Zion declared for the draft. Oh uh, yeah, I saw that. It's a little bit ago. That yeah, that heh, they don't know what breaking he was going to stay. Whereas, that, that is not breaking news. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, back to UVA they are a solid built roster and they'll be able to withstand these losses. Maybe they don't win the national championship like next year, but they still have a roster to, to contend and to contend for the ACC title. And, uh, if you, if you're contending for the ACC title, you're contending for national ship, national championship. So, um, they'll be all right. Ty Jerome stock is never going to get higher than it is right now. So I do not blame him at all for going. Uh, Hunter was as good as gone all season. They were talking about him being gone. So, um, as a Hokie fan, I'm happy they're, they're leaving, but it's not like the cupboard's empty. So it, it there's only so much happiness. <laughs> yeah. And they recruited another, uh, top kid in North Carolina uh, yeah, today. Sure I think they got c- to commit. So that happened. I mean, these guys going to the draft is really going to help their recruiting. I mean, yeah. you, know, you, you talk about UVA getting the right fit, the right guys. They win a national championship. They send, send in multiple guys a year to the U- NBA. They're going to get some of those top level Malcolm guys. Malcolm Brogdon's success, too, I think, plays a big role in that. He's having a lot of success with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think him having yeah. that success on a team that is first place in the East and yeah. is really the only thing standing in the Golden State Warriors' way of winning an NBA title right now. Um, it all That helps. matters. That matters, yeah. Virginia Tech doesn't have that. Speaking of, we don't have a lot of people that we thought were coming now. Um <laughs> that being said, as soon as Buzz said he was going to Texas A&M, I knew some of these guys would be as well. Yep. Andre Gordon, out. Galetkin, out. And that was the kid that played down uh, at the Rock the Ribbon tournament. Um, our listeners might have seen Patrick Heights interviews with him uh, down at the Rock the Ribbon. That was that kid. As soon as Buzz said he was go- gone, he decommitted. Was not surprising to see he committed to A&M. Which makes them infinitely better. Like, that's the thing that bothers me because – when people say Virginia Tech's better than Texas A&M, they're not wrong. But Buzz is going to take those recruits with him, and now Texas A&M yeah. is going to be better than we are. Anthony yes. Harris released from his commitment, and Harris... A lot of rumors about him going to Texas A&M. Yeah, him or IU and UNC. Yeah, Great. yeah Indiana's all over him, UNC's all over him, but... I mean, Texas A&M would be the best because we would never see him. Yeah, I, I still have a little bit of hope for this kid. He's actually still been interacting with some Hokie fans on Twitter. He's so, like, coming. I'm I'm hopeful, but probably the same kind of hope that I had that Buzz was somehow staying. So it's probably pretty worthless. Um, but, you know, More dead UNC people interest on seems intimidating. But, like, he goes to UNC, he's, he's probably on the bench. He's behind McDonald's All-Americans. It's the same argument I always bring. Come to Virginia Tech and be the man. Um, because that's the type of level player that he is. So it'll be interesting. Coach Christian Webster is staying at Tech. He was one of the guys really involved in Harris. So I'm hoping that might help the situation. Again, probably help, yeah. False hope there. I mean, Christian uh, Webster, well, I think, was also the main guy on Andre Gordon. So And he's already committed to Texas yeah. A&M. So we, we got to get a lot of players quickly. Uh, a good thing for the future is that apparently uh, – uh, Coach Young was visiting Cam Thomas. He's a five-star recruit for 2020, and apparently he has pretty good inroads with him. So if he could land a guy like that for a year out, that would be a really good sign about what Coach Young's able to do. 
he's still not going to commit right now probably is what we're hearing. Oh, yeah. But hopefully we can get it going here in recruiting. Yeah, and look, <coughs> that's fine, right? If you don't, if he doesn't want to commit right away um, because we've seen people commit and then decommit. I mean, these kids decommitted. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just more people that are dead to me now. So on, <laughs> on Twitter, Andre Gordon, I don't know who that is. Just another Gilletkin. 18 year old that's dead to me. Yeah, I don't know. Anthony Harris. I maybe I've heard of him. Uh remains to be seen. Um, but yeah. I mean, I had heard of all these kids previously, but I pay attention to those tweets. Well, no, I mean, but if Harris leaves, he's dead to me. I've never heard of him. Uh just like I don't know who this Buzz Williams is we keep talking about. Uh <laughs> let's move on to spring ball. You're super into it. I have never been into it. I went to one spring game of my life at JMU, and the entire time I was sitting there, I had to ask I mean, myself, what am I doing here? Well, I've been to many spring games all in Blacksburg. And yeah, for my I don't think I would get up group, for it. it turns into more of like a reunion weekend than anything. And it's more about seeing each other at the tailgate and hanging out, seeing each other's kids. Uh, that's usually the thing that like propels us these recent years is, hey, make sure you bring your kids so we can see your kids. Like, um, so it, it really just turns into more of a social thing. I don't take a lot away from the action on the field when I'm there watching it. I try to watch the defense more than anything because the offense is just scattered at best. Um, I mean, there's been years we've had some good offensive output. Ryan uh, Williams was uh, amazing uh, in the spring game one year, and then he turned it into a, a great regular season. He was a heck of a player for us. He left Virginia Tech too early, but he had an incredible spring game. Okay. That was cool to watch. And some of these high hyped players like freshmen or red shirt guys that are just you're seeing them on the field for the first time at the spring game it's cool to see them but it means very little it's all about all those practices put together what the coaches are able to improve the team by so um this year i did not go down we had other stuff you'll hear what that is later um but um you know after a six and seven year we still had a pretty good crowd there uh, still had a lot of energy and and it's kind of like a refresh and a positive environment. I mean, it's all, it's all positive. And I like that in the spring because Lord knows come August, Joe is going to bring us all down with his negativity and then September to be proven right. And that'll be tough to listen to, but the defense, like I said, during the regular season, when they're so young, the defense showed some positive things with pressures on the quarterback. Um, there was some big hits out there. Uh, the Waller kid laid out Ellis, uh, which you don't necessarily like to see teammates laying each other out, but it was a big old hit, got to some excitement. So I was excited to see there was uh, some positive things to say about the defense because that's what I was really hoping to hear coming out of the spring game is the defense is performing well. Then they got to keep on getting better and do it in the regular season, I know, but at least they're moving in the right direction. See, here's what I don't like about spring games because you think the defense is playing better, and maybe they are, but we don't know. Maybe our offense is worse. Maybe we're <sighs> bad on offense. And our defense is also bad. They're just looking better than they did last year in the spring game. If our defense is getting in the right spot, I mean, there's certain things you can watch when you're watching in the spring game. You're watching, like, the right movement, people being in the right place. Um, you know, the aggressiveness on the offensive line. Sure, if you're missing some offensive linemen and that's helping the pressure get to the quarterback, yeah, maybe that doesn't say as much. But Or maybe our I offensive linemen was... aren't good. I mean, but we don't we don't know. That's my problem with spring games. I think some people, I'm not saying that's what you're doing here. But some people look at spring games and they're like, oh, man, the defense looked lights out. I'm like, oh, no, maybe your no. offense is lights out in a bad way. Like, It just seems like the defense is moving in the right area. Uh, I, all the quarterbacks got on the field. There's been a lot of hype about Quincy Patterson, which I'm excited about because yeah, that was that's my who question. we want to see did on he, the field. Did he have a good game? 
he didn't as much. Willis had a better game, but well, excited it's, then. Super it's not like six you choose. Seven. We, I, I, not even with Beamer, where we choosing quarterbacks out of the spring. It's always in August. So Quincy will continue to develop. I was excited. There was so much hype being put out about Patterson from like Virginia Tech football. It just, it's, it feels like a sign to me that someone behind the curtain is saying, yeah, this guy has a really good shot at being our leader. I hope that's the truth. Well, I know you talked about a good crowd. Virginia Tech's playing with fire. They have another year like that or miss a bowl game. That spring crowd is not going to be a good crowd. And you're going <laughs> to have like, burned a very passionate fan base by keeping a chucklehead. It can be like UNC who, I mean, I have it written down here. UNC had 12 people at their spring game. There was some pictures, and I think the weather might have been a little bit worse down there and everything. <laughs> yeah. But there was, uh, you know, tens of people at that game. I mean, it was a pretty embarrassing showing for a spring game. I know a lot of Tech fans usually rip UVA for that. UVA spring games not till April 27th. Then we will make fun of them for that, or I will, uh, maybe via Twitter. But, uh, you know, UNC had the bad look this weekend. But, I mean, Nebraska fills their stadium every spring game. And, I mean, they haven't not sold out that stadium since, like, the 60s. So What other, what other thing are they going to do? I know. It's Nebraska. That's my and it's point. not it's not like you're picking corn right now. That's my point. Yeah. yeah. All you're I gonna mean, do is farm corn or go watch a football game. And yeah. as you said, it's not corn picking season. So they got a good fan base out there. I'll give them that. Another fan base that was burned. But theirs was out of stupidity for firing somebody. JMU had their spring game. I couldn't tell you anything about it because as I said, I just don't care. <laughs> Looking They're at, trying to pick the quarterback again. <sighs> Arduzzi didn't win his job from last year, which I don't blame him. Uh, I mean, Tech has a similar thing. It's an open competition at Tech, too. But that's the biggest news out of JMU is probably quarterback play. You see what happens. It's a new coach there, too. So you just don't you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, looking at the NHL, the Caps are going to be up 2-1 uh, probably by the time that game is over. I was hoping 3-0 Caps series, but... They did not come ready to score goals. They did come ready to fight, though. Alexander Ovechkin did put some 19-year-old kid to sleep that tried to fight him. Uh, poor choice for that kid. Don't fight somebody who is, A, one of the greatest hockey players to play the game, and B, drinks vodka when he's not playing hockey, and that's it. Like, I think his BAC is a constant .3, and he feels no pain. It was three punches, and that kid's lights went out. I guess he uh, didn't suck, you know, didn't suck this no, year. No, and then some other <laughs> idiot tried to check Tom Wilson. Bad idea, because Tom Wilson counterchecked him and put him out, and he was out for the rest of the game. So the Canes are going to win this game. They're also going to lead the injuries. And I still, even though the Caps lose game three, they're still up 2-1. It's just one game. We're going to be fine. We're going to advance. What's the going on in story, Pittsburgh? Uh, Pittsburgh is down 3-0 to the New York Islanders. Ooh, and a, so it's going to be about uh, to Caps. be Audi 5-30. Yeah, Barry Trotz will play the Caps if the Caps do what they're supposed to do. That, that'll be interesting. The other big story, though, in the NHL playoffs are the Tampa Bay Lightning entered the playoffs with the second best record ever in the history of the NHL, and they find themselves down 3-0 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The oh, NHL playoffs, unlike the NBA playoffs, are unpredictable. I don't know how many times I've seen the winner of the President's Trophy, which is the team with the best regular season record, go out in the first round. I mean, it it happens all the time in hockey. It's absolutely crazy. That's why even though the Caps are up 2-1, and I feel pretty good that they're still going to advance, you, you don't know. Uh, it, anything could happen, and uh, I, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to come down from 
come back from down 3-0. I think Columbus will find a way to win one of the next four games and advance, and they will play the winner of the Maple Leafs and Bruins. Caps, again, look like they're going to get the Islanders. Very cool. I think that'll be a really interesting matchup uh, for the the head coach there, being back where he had just won the title. That'll be interesting. No, that's like I said uh, last week. You know, the the Caps advancing to the second round, either one was going to be a great storyline. It's yeah. either your hated rival in the Pittsburgh Penguins or your former coach, Barry Trotz, who is doing a great job at New York with the Islanders. Moving on to baseball, the Orioles are three and seven in their last 10, as you so eloquently put, coming back to earth, but they still find themselves in second place at seven and 10 in the AL East. If Half they continue a game on and, paying three and seven baseball, though, it's, it's not going to last. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to be <laughs> second place at the end of it, but we're still ahead of the Yankees and the Red Sox, which, by the way, if I was the Boston Red Sox, I would have cut my hand smashing through the glass to press the panic button because they look terrible. They are getting absolutely barnyard smoked every time they step on the field. And it's, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I love every second of it. Chris Davis broke his MLB record hitless streak against the Boston Red Sox by going three for five with four RBIs. And then today he went bomb squad on them. Um, first home run since I don't know when, uh, but good for Chris Davis. Good for him. Yeah. It, it, the win today meant the Orioles split the series. We have Tampa Bay, who will absolutely roast us, and then hopefully we beat the Twins. I hope you don't beat the Twins, because I have a lot of hopes for I the Twins this year. I can't stand the Twins, because you have hope for them, so I hope we beat them. <laughs> the Nats also still playing baseball. Uh, they're playing yeah. about 500 baseball. Their overalls right in that area. Um, they got the Giants and Marlins this week. Uh, so, uh, interesting games for them. They If, if they're going to achieve the high hopes that they had to move on past Bryce Harper. They need to get the winning going here and get the confidence built and not just continue at 500 baseball. So then they don't have to climb back in, in the, in the dead of summer. They need to kind of be going with some momentum, be up in that second place and or so, and, and, and see what they can do. Uh, that would be my best advice for the Nats, but Hey, winning, you know, that's good advice for any team. Yeah. Their problem is going to be the bullpen again. Their bullpen it's is really, really bad. Um, yeah, Orioles included. Um, but the the problem I have for the Nats right now is, unlike last year where it was really a one-team race in that division, uh, it's a four-team race. You look at the Braves, the Phillies, Nats. And, and the Braves the have a Mets, lot to like. The Mets, who I didn't think were going to be good, are actually off to a really good start. So maybe everyone was right about Maybe the experts got that one right this time. Um, it seems like an annual tradition to pick the Mets to make the comeback and right now they're off to a good start i'm in the um, braves in that division that's who i'm impressed with they keep they they're winning some ball games i've watched they've been on tv a lot i like i like their lineup and their their front office is doing great work they're re-signing they're they're extending guys getting contracts for six seven years with guys for low money and uh it just seems smart and uh, I really am just starting to wonder if the Braves are kind of returning to what they were in the 90s, uh, you know, just that continual stretch of good. I mean, didn't they win that division like 14, 14? It was a lot. It, yeah, Maybe they 14, pulled away from the rest of that division. Was, yeah. Um, yeah. It yeah. was like what Kansas has done in the oh, Big 12 yeah, yeah, that ended the this 90s. year. It's that yeah, kind of 90s. run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the Braves are good. And uh, you sent me a text of the Albies deal they signed. And that was a great deal for the Braves because that kid's going to be a superstar. Yeah. And they and signed they got the Acuna. Left the other week. Yeah, they signed Acuna as well earlier in the offseason to a long-term deal. 
they they are doing what other teams should be doing. You don't let those good players hit the market, and they're paying their players now to help them when they get outside of arbitration because arbitration can be a very messy situation. Yeah. And then you end up signing a lot of one-year deals to avoid it uh, if you're a team. By doing this, you avoid that whole messy situation. And then when they get ready to hit the market, you'll be like, remember when we paid you a lot more than we needed to? Well, come on. Uh, But they're also going to be like, I mean, they'll, with those longer contracts they have, they're going to get three years of their prime. Yeah, they buy buy some of that free agent time, yeah. Yeah, but the, they'll have already gotten some good use out of them. So even if they walk then, you'll have had them for some prime time. And you can have the argument, hey, we paid you before you were good. We have faith in you. And you're probably still going to have to ante up then. But it might be a little bit softer. And you're also not going to be facing the 10-year contract then. Mm-hmm. You're going to be facing a six-year contract or something a little more reasonable mm-hmm. and where you're not going to be paying a 40-year-old top dollar. Yeah, it's the Braves are very smart. It's a very smart organization, and they're proving it by – signing their young talent now your pirates are off to a roll here seven of their last 10 uh they got the tigers and the giants this week and they could very much continue that i don't think either one of those teams are insurmountable um i think it's important for your pirates to win as many games here early because i don't think that's gonna last i just early they were losing really close games and blowing games so it's good to see them not blowing these games there's still some closer games happening here it's national league baseball they're all close but they're winning them. So uh, I agree. They need to be sitting in first in June if they want to think they can hold on for something through the rest of the season because uh, they're not a team that's going to be built to be making up games in July. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep watching for the Pirates. We'll keep talking about them. Uh, Tampa Bay, you say Tampa Bay stays hot at 7-3. and three. That's going to be a theme. Tampa Bay is good. Um, yeah. I probably Tampa Bay, underplayed them. Yeah, Tampa Bay might win the division. Uh, they are it. I'm not going to say definitely because you can't. As I said last week, you can't win the division in April, but you can sure lose it again. I think that's what Boston is managing to do uh, right now. Um, and I, I still think the Yankees are going to chase them. I think the Yankees will get healthy. They'll figure it out. Uh, but Tampa Bay right now is pulling away they've got a lot that's another team that has a lot of young talent they actually yep. spent some money this offseason as well which Half was pitching. very un tampa bay-esque but they did it in strategic places and that's why this team is already putting a sizable gap between them and the second place orioles uh at five and a half <laughs> ahead of them and then five and a half ahead of the yankees as well who uh, are just winning percentage wise if a little bit behind the Orioles because they haven't played as many games as we have. But I think the important thing to look at when you're looking at some of these records early on, look at run differential because nine times out of 10, that's how you tell what to expect from a team from here on out. It's not always the case. There are exceptions to the rule, but you look at Tampa Bay, they're a plus 38 right now in run differential. That's going to be a theme. They don't give up a lot of runs. They score a lot of runs. That's a good baseball team. The Orioles, Minus 27. So we're 7 and 10. We have a minus 27 run differential. That tells you when we lose, we don't waste time. They let they let you know you can shut the game off. No need to stay tuned in. Uh, the Yankees are a plus 10. And again, they are three games under 500 like the Orioles. I think they'll figure it out. Boston, though, and this is another reason to panic if you're a Boston fan. Minus 32. They Ooh. are getting shelled. And they are not putting up runs. That pitching staff does not look good. When you have Chris Sale and David Price who are both 
you know, one bad thing happening from them before they take, you know, scissors and cut up the uniforms if you're Chris Sale or go attacking <laughs> Hall of Fame legends if you're David Price. I mean, that is not the kind of stability you want in your organization. The Toronto Blue Jays are bad. Uh, your twins, good news for the twins, they are plus 12 right now, which everyone else in that division has a negative run differential. I still think the Indians will figure it out and still find a way to win that division when it's all said. They got done. some injuries that are going to take a while this season, so they're, they're going to have to figure some stuff out without some of their main guys. Yeah, um, but the Astros, they're a team that was 1-5. They have a chance yeah. to go, oh, or excuse me, 2-5. They have a chance to win 10 straight games if they beat the Oakland A's tonight. The Houston and, Astros are back. And the Astros are kind of why last week I was saying, hey, I think Boston's going to figure it out because there's a lot of talent on both those teams, and both of them started out rough. Now the Astros have woke up already, and they've got it rolling. So that that's my example of why I thought Boston could get better. They haven't turned it back on yet, and, and I admit that. But it's still not give up hope time quite yet. I still think you're probably in the second week of May before you you really, really, really panic. There's probably some minor panic happening, and that's probably due. But before Patriots Day, you don't panic that much. Well, I mean, it's three weeks into the season. Today is Patriots Day. What are you talking about? I know, about? but that you don't panic up until this point. Okay, well, you just got smoked by the Orioles on Patriots Day. Can you panic, <sighs> can you panic now? Chris Davis just took you deep. Can you panic now? <laughs> it's baseball. You don't get worked up about one game. No, false. Um Moving on, the NFL draft is next week, Leland. How do you feel about the NFL draft? As a Steelers fan, I, I don't get that hyped about it because I just have faith that Steelers are going to draft appropriately. They've, they've done that my entire life. They've, they've just do well in the draft. And not that they've been some kind of standard winning team for my entire life, but there's just been too much well-built franchise picks coming out of the draft. So I just don't get that worked up about the Steelers specifically. Now, I tune in because I think the storylines from the different teams and that draft night can be interesting, but it it only tells you so much. I mean, teams are only built by so much on draft night because all the teams picking the popular players and those top picks, they're terrible teams. And the NFL, you, you don't see worst to first so often. I mean, maybe in the AFC or in the uh, NFC South you do, but other than that, you just don't, you don't get these teams like the Cleveland Browns just going to first. Now the Cleveland Browns have like gotten a lot better predicted. on draft picks and some trades, but draft is just a part of it. Um, I always get, I kind of get more fired up in the spring about uh, when they put the schedule out. I always think that's a fun and interesting thing to kind of look about early. I always look for that weekend when Virginia tech is going to be in Pittsburgh. If the Steelers are also home, cause then it turns into my dream weekend. But uh, I get more fired up about honestly that than I do the, NF, uh, the NFL draft. But next week we're going to talk about it some, because there's a lot of storylines. Uh, Kyler Murray continues to be one of the top storylines. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, where guys go, but a lot has to happen from there. Yeah, not jazzed about this either. Um, the Ravens used to always be stable, and I could trust them. Last year shook that confidence. Now it's a new GM. So that's the only thing that kind of percolates my interest in the NFL draft. What are you draft. talking about? You guys drafted your starting quarterback Is last to year. see what, you, what our what GM does. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> this year, Ravens fans will get an up-close and personal look at why you don't draft a running quarterback to lead your franchise. But uh, we'll see what the new GM does. And I, that's the only thing that is remotely interesting to me from a Baltimore Ravens standpoint is what's the new GM's plan for the franchise? Because 
seeing some of the people we let go, I don't know what that plan is. So we'll learn together. Hooray for the Ravens. Uh, NASCAR was the Richmond night race. It was on Saturday night. Somehow they got that race in. Um, Martin Truex ended up winning the race. Yeah, he did. Paul Menard finishing strong. Sounds Tenth, good. Another top 10 finish for him. Your boy Bubba, 27th, and Quinn Huff, 34th. Quinn Huff, I mean, we keep saying it every week. It's awesome. A kid from Weir's Cave racing. You would like to see one of these weeks him kind of not be the last guy that's running. I mean, he's finishing races. He's not tearing up cars, but he's kind of running at the back of people that are still in the race. You'd like to see him perk up one of these weeks. So, I mean, I'm not talking bad on him, but I just think one of these weeks is he's getting the experience. You'd like to see him pass some people and, and finish ahead of some people that are still running at the end of the race. Um, he hadn't really been able to do a whole lot of that. Um, you know, maybe finish inside the top 25 or something that would be encouraging because a lot of 30 plus finishes, it's tough, but Hey, he's young. He has time. He's not wrecking cars. I think he's going to pick up more interest. We have to hope for the local kid to do well. Coming up next week or the next race, not next week because next week, I believe they take off for Easter. Um, yeah. But the next race will be at Talladega. Another Menard watch. He could bring home the win. Wood Brothers great at restrictor plate tracks. Just have to avoid the big wrecks at those tracks. Actually, never mind. It's not a restrictor plate race. Forgot to go oh, yeah. of those. It's yeah. that new system, which will... Oh, I, I have never been more worried for NASCAR from a safety standpoint. To me, that was a really, really dumb thing. I know the drivers were like, oh, it bunches up all the cars. It also prevents you from going like, 300 miles an hour on that track. Yeah. And if you go 300 miles feet an in hour, the air, my brother was just talking about it uh, this weekend. He goes, you watch some of those old races and see the way they used to drive and beat and bang on each other. He goes, that couldn't happen now. And I was like, well, yeah, because those cars are going like max 100. Now they're doubling that. And it's just too dangerous to race like that. Back then, in they those... They went faster than 100 back then. We're not talking like when the Daytona 500 would like became into existence. We're talking, what are you talking, like 70s and 80s? Maybe a little, not a lot over 100. Nowhere near as fast as they're going now, Leland. I mean, I think there were like 150, 160. I don't think so. We'll look it up. We'll look it up and tell tell you how right I was next week. But (laughs) those cars were also built like absolute tanks. And now, I don't know. I, I know they're safe. But they look really thin. That metal looks really thin. Back then, it looked like, and again, it's kind of like old cars. Old cars used to be absolute tanks. Now, they're pretty light. And they have everything on those cars is designed to keep the car on the ground. And back then, it was just like, like you said, a tank. And it was just like going forward and, and it started changing for speed. But as soon as they got to a certain level there, then it just turned on how you keep this car on the ground. And the restrictor plates are part of that. Yeah. So I I just really hope nothing bad happens to Talladega. That's I really oh, hope nothing goodness. bad happens. I'm we will not take that and make that an opening because that's a ter- no. terrible, terrible no. thing. <laughs> uh, but we will go ahead and take a break and we'll come back with more Yak Sports after this. Okay, Leland, after doing some research, I was dead wrong. They were driving 200 in 1987, and then in 1988, NASCAR said, time to put restrictor plates in. So now NASCAR's saying, forget it. Uh, we were lying. Yeah. It'll be fine, I'm sure. So in the early 80s, they're going 200. 
I was wrong then too because you. I, I thought they would have gone a little bit slower. I couldn't but, believe uh, it. And those things, the, yeah. as heavy as those cars are going 200, so I wonder if somebody didn't get impaled. I mean, the fuel they were oh burning back then. Gosh. I mean, it was just straight Texas crude oil being pumped through them things. I mean, it was just hammering down. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> let's move on to our next topic. The next topic is Valley League Baseball. Uh, frequent guest of the podcast, Patrick Height put out an article, the Stan- Stanton Braves uh, coach who was hired in December has already resigned uh, without coaching a game for the Stanton Braves. So the next guy will be the third coach since they let Los go in 2017. Uh, the one guy never coached any games, though. So, like, a little weird, a little odd. A little weird, a little odd, but the guy took a different job. I don't... No, he's retiring from baseball altogether. Uh, okay. I thought it was. The, the I thought second, he was then the, hired the to do The first coach they hired took a different job. The guy they hired for a couple uh, weeks, a well, couple months, he's okay. out of baseball. Okay. Um, so it's a little weird. A little weird. The thing I'll say is for anybody listening, Patrick doesn't always write articles in the effort to make friends. Patrick, you're still our friend if you're listening. Braves fans, we don't necessarily agree with Patrick, <laughs> even though he's our friend, but it's it's just. I wasn't a big fan of them letting Loss go. I like Loss. I like Loss too. He's from out of the area, and he seemed like he really adopted Stanton. And it was tough to see that decision happen, especially with how much involvement he still has on that very field for the high school. But if they make a decision, they make a decision. It's their organization. It's their, their ability to do that. And if they were concentrating on getting a guy that might have a little more connection to college baseball or something like that, like... It's their decision to make, and 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 maybe lost it and enjoy it that much. And and I I like lost, and I cheered for him, and I cheered for him when he came back as a Turk. But it's their organization, and I and I think they try to do it in a nice, positive way and say he wasn't fired. How you terminology the terminology you use is stupid, but I I don't know. It's their organization. I don't. They didn't fire him in the middle of the season or something like. I, they just went a different direction and loss has another job in the VBL and he proposed to his uh, girlfriend on the field up there. So it, obviously he's, he's having good times and moving forward in a positive way in his life. I think we can all just move forward positively. I, I wasn't super psyched about the article from Patrick. This isn't the first time I would have say this, say this statement as a Riverheads fan, especially I, I've not always enjoy, enjoyed everything Patrick has done as a writer, but he's a good writer it's an opinion piece, and that's what he's there to do. And I tell you what, they really value clicks on that website. And what probably got a bunch of more clicks for B- VBL Talk in April than anything has ever done is Patrick's article the other day. So he's doing his job, and you can't knock him for doing his job. And he has an opinion you don't agree with. Well, Braves, go out there and hire someone good and prove him wrong. And I hope you do. I'm a big Braves fan. We're going to talk about Braves this summer. I'm going to be talking about him positively every single week, rooting for him with my blind optimism. But, like, it would be nice if you – I grew up with Braves baseball and they had a consistent winning regular season, winning tradition that they have not been able to get back to. They've had their spikes, but they have not had a traditional winning tradition. I would like to see that happen. I think having a consistent manager would really help that. they got to find the right guy. they got to find a guy they're happy with. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm walking the fence. I know it. I'm, I'm playing both sides of the fence. But uh, – I don't know. It's their organization. They make their decisions. 
it, if if they had won four championships in a row and fired loss, then I would be fully on that side. If they were 0 and 30, and then I'd be fully on the other side. I just somewhere in the middle, just like Loss's record. He had some success. He had some not so much success. It's just what they went to do, and I'm glad he, he got picked up by Harrisonburg. I don't like Harrisonburg, but I'm glad he got picked up. He deserves a job in the VBL. I'm glad it wasn't at Waynesboro. Okay, so <laughs> a lot to unpack there. I'm not going to touch a lot of that. Um, just so listeners know, I, I'm conflicted on this. Um, one, I, as Leland has mentioned before, I do have another podcast that I do with some guys, uh, on baseball centric. Um, but we really don't get started until the summer around Valley league baseball, because it's easier for us to go to those games in person and see what we're seeing in person. Um, and we talk to players and coaches from around the league and the league is great and lets us do that. Um, so that weighs in, uh, to what I'm going to say and not say. Uh, and then (laughs) the other thing is we've talked to coach loss on that podcast and I like coach loss. Um, we talked to him outside of football, outside of the podcast. Yeah. For WTON. And he's a great guy and I love him. Um, but as you said, I, you touched on it. It was the one thing you said that I thought was definitely a hundred percent correct is I think the Stanton Braves just want someone who is in the college level and can connect with the college kids on that level. And if that's the reasoning for doing it, I can't blame them. I know that means it's not going to be a local guy. I know that's going to upset some local people. I think that's where Patrick is coming from in this article is he's a local guy. He thought it was great to have a local guy in the community coaching that team. Um, and I think that's part of it. Um, but if the Stanton Braves want to get a college guy, I get it. Um, most of these Valley Baseball League teams don't have a consistent coach that comes in year in, year out. And very wow. even fewer, if it is that, are from that area. Uh, I think, you know, Zach Cole. Harrisonburg just, is, is, is one that definitely is. Right. Zach Cole just won a Valley Baseball League championship in Newmarket. He'd been there for a few years. Um, he would come to Newmarket in the summer. Now he's going to Waynesboro to co- uh, coach the Generals next year. I don't know what's behind that. There were some shakeups in Newmarket that I haven't heard anyone talking about that I'm very interested to get to the bottom of. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at Winchester. Winchester, I think, moves in and out of coaches. Um, there was a time when they had Kevin Anderson there for a few years, but he coached Shenandoah University. So it was a college coach right there in Winchester. They were able to keep him around. Percival keeps their coach, and that's a local guy. Um, and, and, you know, the other teams I would have to look and dig a little deeper. But it's not all that uncommon for some Valley League teams to go through coaches rather quickly. Uh, and it's because they want the college aspect. They want that connection. And some of those coaches go to different teams or they just want to stay with their families in the summer. And that happens. Um, so we'll see what Stanton does. I think really what you need to be focusing on more than anything uh, if you're a Valley Baseball League team, is being able to bring in college kids that you think can help your team and that you can help get to the next level. That's what the Valley Baseball League is. That's their main mission. Winning the championship is great. That's why you play the games, because you want to be competitive and you want to win. Yeah, you're going to put butts in seats if you're winning. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of the day, I think what these teams and even the coaches will tell you is we want to better these kids for an opportunity to play in the major leagues. There are a lot of people in the majors who have 
spent time in the Valley, which is why if you ever get the chance, you should go to those games. They're an absolute blast. Oh, yeah, they're great. Um, and you will get to see some really good baseball players, um, uh, you know, really through good our baseball podcast. Players, terrible umpires. Yeah. <laughs> through our podcast, we have built uh, relationships with some of these coaches and, it, you know, one player in particular, the first guy we ever interviewed, super into us. Ray Hernandez is great. Um, he's in the Atlanta Braves organization. Um, you just like him because he talks soccer with you. He will talk soccer. Uh, <laughs> he loves the office. He does. And uh, his soccer talk is Liverpool oriented, which is another reason. Wow. What an amazing dude. But he's also super into just what we were doing and had fun with it with us. And uh, he's a great guy. And of course, if you ever see uh, the Atlanta Braves organization and Ray Hernandez coming to your area or somewhere you are, and you have a chance to see him. Check it Pulaski, out. Pulaski. Yeah. yeah, check it out. No, Pulaski's um, Yankees. Pulaski's Yankees. And they are uh, too low. He is now in single A. So nice. Uh, we'll be rooting him on and hoping that he continues to climb that ladder. But um, super, super great league, and you should definitely check it out when you get the chance. But that will do it for us on the Valley Baseball League we topic. Have, we have plans for the summer. For We're going to talk a lot of EBL. Yeah, um, well, you got to talk something, yeah. Joe and I are going to talk probably Waynesboro and Stanton-centric. Uh, I'm hoping Joe has his 4D podcast talking about the entire league. I'm just going to double up on VBL with Joe. Uh, but I'm going to be Stanton-centric because that's what I've been uh, seen in Sweet Caroline and stuff like that. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's a and disgusting tradition. That's what they should change. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and wrap this segment up. And when we come back, we'll get personal. Okay, Leland, let's get personal. What is dominating your life? Bunnies and eggs. That's where we're at. It's just we are seeing bunnies and we are finding eggs. And I, I have passed down a skill of finding eggs that is just superior to what other dads and moms are bringing to their kids. I mean, my kids can out hunt eggs. Everybody they see, they just put them down. If they could have a competition of egg finding uh, at the high school VHSL level, my kids would be going right for it. We'd be looking at a scholarship. I mean, they are good at finding eggs. They can't find, you know, their toys that are sitting in front of them in the family room. They can't find their clothes that are laid out on the end of the bed for them. But when it comes to candy hidden in a pastel colored something, they're all about it. And then the bunnies, you know, we went and saw a Easter bunny this weekend. He's a live bunny at the Farm Bureau. It was a, it was a good time. Um, you know, uh, the one at the mall is a little harder to uh, experience. Uh, he has some big eyes, and uh, I don't know if he's happy or not. So we kind of stay away from him. And uh, so we stick to that live bunny there, and uh, that's kind of how we handle that part of Easter. Uh, obviously, a lot more goes on to Easter than bunnies and eggs. But this weekend before uh, Easter proper, uh, we were very much wrapped up in the uh, the commercial side of Easter. So uh, it was a fun time, good family time, um, wholesome fun. Uh, after a month full of basketball and then whining about how much basketball was on TV and even a weekend surrounded around watching golf on TV, it was good to get out of the house and, and let them uh, get a bunch of candy in them. Yeah, I think the candy is why they're good at finding the eggs. Oh, 100%. Um, but yeah. 
If you put candy in the clothes, they'll find those clothes. Um, <laughs> <a> good point. <laughs> what is dominating my life is something I noticed. I don't know if it came out this week slash weekend or not, but that's when I discovered it. You versus Wild is a new Netflix interactive show. And basically, you're watching Bear Grylls do his thing. But then he'll break the fourth wall and look at you because each different episode is a mission that you and Bear are on together trying to get through this mission. And then there will be different moments where Bear will look at you and go, all right, are we going to do this or are we going to do this? Some of them, I don't think it matters. You can choose either one. You're going to be fine. It's just a question of what do you, which thing do you want to do? Some of them definitely right and definitely wrong answers. And if you mess up, you fail the mission and you have to go back and do it, do it the right way and then move on. Um, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Bear. I have killed you, I don't know, like four or five times. I feel How many like. times on purpose? None on purpose, which is the yeah. bad thing. Um, God. I won't say anything in case anyone wants to watch it and play along. Um, but yeah, there was one that me personally, I knew I was never going to do. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. And uh, it turns out I should have done it. So <laughs> I was like, he gets, oh, actually, uh, nope, this didn't go well. So we failed the mission. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay. Um, even when you fail, Bear doesn't die. Um, he just <laughs> potentially gets really close to injuring himself and then is like, we failed the mission. And I'm like, great. Um, yeah, so it's a fun show. It's, <laughs> it makes watching Bear Grylls do anything is crazy, but, um, watching him do it and then knowing that you have an impact on what he does next is really fun. It sounds fun. It's, I mean, it's like kind of like a video game, but with live action. It's kids safe too. I yeah, mean, if if your cool. kids that's if cool. your kids like animal stuff, they're gonna love that. Um, yeah. And it it's only two options too, so it's not like an A B C D. So you could easily tell the kids, all right, kids, which one do you want to do? And they just pick one. Yeah. Um So, highly recommend for anybody, but especially if you have kids. All uh, right. So, what do you know that I need to know? What I know that you need to know is, um, Liverpool. Finally giving me hope again, Leland. Um, I'm not going to lie. The game started. Uh, I talked to you about it uh, earlier a few weeks ago. The Hillsborough disaster, uh, which if you happen to be watching ESPN2 tonight, you could have watched the 30 for 30 on that because they were running it. That was today as we're recording it, April the 15th. 30 years ago that happened. Uh, and so 96 people died in that uh, and where police tried to blame Liverpool fans for their fault in that tragedy, um, basically not securing the stadium and then pandemonium and a bunch of people got crushed and killed in uh, 96. So they honored them Sunday before the game uh, with a moment of silence. And there are lots of places that do moments of silence for lots of different reasons. And they're met with varying amounts of success. Um, you and I were watching a game, I believe it was Chelsea and Liverpool, uh, the first time they played this year, it was right after the Leicester City owner died in that helicopter crash, and they had a moment of silence, and it was so quiet, you and I were wondering, like, did they turn the mics off, or is it just that quiet? They did another moment of silence here, uh, there was wind that you could hear in the mic, that was it. You heard the official blow his whistle to start the moment of silence, it was dead silent other than the occasional wind gust that would go wow. over the crowd mic and then you heard the whistle again 
being blown. And then the crowd came to life at Anfield, which is an amazing place to watch soccer. I would love to be able to watch a soccer game there just because it's so electric there. But I mean, to me, I was like, man, that was bone chilling how quiet it was in that moment. And then to just hear them singing songs and hollering the rest of the match. Uh, Liverpool beat Chelsea 2-0 in a game they absolutely have to have. Liverpool really can't lose any more games in the Premier League season if they want to have a prayer of beating Manchester City. Uh, and they, we have to root for our biggest rival, Manchester United, to beat Manchester City for us uh, and allow us a chance to win the league, which would be the first time in 29 years if Liverpool can do it. Uh, Mo Salah had an absolute wonder goal. He had had quite the scoring drought. He scored Friday against Southampton of last week, then or a couple weeks ago, then um, Sunday he had an absolute cracker outside the box, went into the top left corner, a beautiful strike to beat Chelsea. They also beat Porto last week 2-0 in the first leg of the Champions League, meaning they're up two goals to none as they go to Portugal for the second leg, which is on Wednesday this week. I would imagine Liverpool coasts through that fixture and moves on to the semifinals of the Champions League where it looks like Barcelona will probably beat Manchester United in the Champions League. But, man, uh, Rob, Rob, his Manchester City team lost their first leg of against Tottenham 1-0. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't want them to be inspired to then go hog wild and just tear into everyone in the Premier League. So just lose a Premier League game. Okay, just lose one and let Liverpool have it, uh, please. But, Leland, I will turn it over to you now for a more serious what you know that we need to know. So, uh, this podcast will come out on April 16th, and as a Hokie, that's a pretty downer day in general. Uh, You know, there's positive things uh, that the community tries to do in remembrance of what happened on April 16th. And, uh, I would just very much assume all of our listeners know it's, it's a topic that's hard for me to talk about, but it was just hard with it being the day of the release of the podcast for me not to at least say something. I, I was averaging attack when, uh, when that happened and, uh, you know, it's why things happen the way they do and meant to be situations. I mean, if my life went perfect coming out of high school and I, you know, went to, Virginia Tech directly. I, I didn't. I, I had to transfer in later. I wanted to go to Tech initially, um, but I was kind of being pulled for some baseball and uh, admissions didn't exactly go my way uh, straight out of, out of high school. So um, if things would have gone perfectly, uh, I would have been in Norris uh, on that day. Uh, there was a lot of senior level engineering classes happening that day. Um, it just high, high percentage I'd have been in that building that day. So um, I feel like Things happen for a reason for multiple ways, other aspects of my life, but I think that is also one of them. I had a roommate that was uh, um, very much in proximity over there, and we actually weren't able to talk to him all day. Um, Kind of going back, I was in the building next door. Um, All of a sudden, uh, we had heard uh, there had been a shooting on campus that day at the dorms, and we heard um, someone was hurt. We didn't even know someone had passed away. Uh, so we were kind of shaken by that, but then all of a sudden in middle of class, police officers are coming in through our classroom, ready to go with, uh, with big guns drawn, um, asking us where Norris hall was. And they was out the back. We pointed them in the right direction. They kept going as a big class. And then they were keeping students in there, not leaving from the backs, but class was over, uh, shortly after that. So I just kind of get up, got up and went the way the policeman came figuring, Hey, the dangers in the opposite way. And I, I had no idea what kind of danger was going on back there. Um, 
I remember driving my buddy home and we heard on the radio that one person had passed away. That was from the earlier shooting. We're like, oh my goodness. And we were like shaken by that. Um, by the time I get back to my apartment, I start to catch wind of what is happening at Norris or what had happened at Norris because it was over by then, but still uh, a lot of uncertainty. So um, uh, I was unable to talk to my parents for many hours that day. And uh, my mom, when I did finally get a hold of her, she kind of went into, you get to get home right now. And I fought her on it and I stayed away. A lesson probably learned there for people <laughs> listening is um, – I probably should have gone home. It would have made my mom happy and feel safe. And so I probably should have done that. I didn't, but we were safe and we were fine. Uh, you know, luckily, uh, but we had no idea that at the time. So, uh, crazy. My roommate, which was much closer proximity, he was fine, but, uh, witnessed a lot of stuff. So, um, he was on news channels that night, uh, talking about it, which was, which was weird. And he kind of had to fight that battle himself. Um, but, uh, what I want to make the point of that can happen anywhere. It happened at a place I consider home. It can happen anywhere. And, but also it's not like Virginia tech is more susceptible for something like that happen. And I think it's been proven time after time. It happens at movie theaters. It happens, um, at other schools. It's just, it can happen anywhere. So, um, that's one thing to come away that I remember that I really take away from that. Um, not really eloquent talking about it. It's, it's a tough thing for me to talk about and really think about, um, I probably still don't handle the thoughts of that day very well. Um, you know, you, I had a, you know, a physics lab partner that I was with two weeks before that was, uh, killed in that. And, uh, luckily that was about as close as I was to someone being injured in that. Um, a lot of my friends had friends. Uh, so I was really one degree of separation from that kind of stuff. So it's, it's hard to think about, hard to talk about, but in the aftermath of that, the community really comes together on that day. And in the years following that, when I was still in college, you know, we always had kind of set traditions that we did on that day. And we didn't have class on that day for those following years. I think they'd gone back to having class on that day, but um, the community comes together and there's positives celebrated. Um, you celebrate the lives that were lost and there's a negative, as a huge negative aspect. The whole reason exists is a negative, but it's a day the community comes together and uh, you have to kind of appreciate some of that at the spring game, they have the 3.2 mile run walk before, and that's a time to celebrate, uh, being a Hokie and the, uh, the community coming together and being strong enough to make it through something like that. So I just wanted to say something about that. I know it's a downer at the end of the podcast, but it's as a Hokie, it's impossible for me not to recognize that and, um, kind of remind people that it, it's not a Virginia tech thing. It's an everybody thing. And out of all the negativity, um, that happens around the nation that's happened in Charlottesville with different, different things, you know, tragedy, we can all come together and agree that we got to get rid of the hate. We got to get rid of the bad. Um, and there's, you know, different opinions on how to do, uh, to be successful at that. But, you know, as long as we're always striving towards making it better and safer, we're doing the right thing. So, um, that's, that's what I wanted to say about that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll have some time tomorrow to think about this, and, uh, you know, recording on a Monday tomorrow being the day. Um, but in general, it's just being, you know, thankful that, uh, it, it went as well for me and my immediate group of friends and, uh, but also recognize the ones that weren't as lucky in the families. So that's, that's what I got on that. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing that story, Leland. I know it's not easy. Um, I was and a I, senior and it's not in high easy school. And, and nothing really bad happened to me, you know, yeah, um, uh, it's around me. And, uh, so I can only imagine the people that really suffered through that time. Yeah. And I, I was a senior in high school, so I was not in college at the time. 
Uh, and most of my friends were not there, but I had people I knew from a year or two years ahead of me that were at tech at that time. And luckily they all made it uh, and weren't affected in that shooting. Uh, but I think the other important thing that you touched on there, you know, outside of the remembrance and what that means to people in Blacksburg and the Virginia Tech community at large is just because that happened at Virginia Tech doesn't, you know, make people at Virginia Tech, you know, I don't know, more at risk more or, at risk yeah. or yeah. you know, doesn't mean Virginia Tech is bad seeds because something like that happened at Virginia Tech. Just like, as you mentioned, the things that happened at Charlottesville a few years ago doesn't make the city of Charlottesville bad seeds or bad people. I, and I think you and I like to give UVA and UVA yeah. fans a hard time. We're giving about but sports. I mean, it's yeah, about it, sports. And it doesn't really it's matter. these things that remind <laughs> remind us there are more important things in life. In that moment, um, there were a lot of schools that reached out. One of the first ones was UVA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with the Charlottesville stuff, uh, it doesn't matter what sport affiliation you have. No. It, you were reaching out to Charlottesville in that moment. It was a community in crisis. Um, and, you know, back on April 16th, 2007, that Blacksburg was a community in crisis and people come together and it's important, you know, you'd love to be able to see that and not take a crisis to cause people to come together sometimes. Um, but I think that is the one thing that does inspire me in moments of darkness and various uh, events in this country's history, seeing people be able to come together and rally around each other. Uh, and support each other when that is needed, I think is something that truly defines um, really what it means to be Americans, but also human beings. I mean, today we see the Notre Dame Cathedral burning in Paris. Um, Yeah, terrible. And, you know, I haven't seen any numbers. I don't know if anyone was in it uh, when it happened or what what that story is. I just see that there's a piece of history being burned. And it's... it's, um, devastating for that city uh and paris is not another city that's had bad things happen had yeah. bad things happen um but uh you know something that we see time and time again in these moments is people rallying around each other and i think it's the important thing to remember you and i enjoy sports we enjoy giving a hard time to people uh that like teams that we don't like but um at the end of the day uh, it is sports and there are some yeah. things bigger in sports this is one of those things and um I, you know, I appreciate you being able to share that story as I know, like you said, I know you didn't know anybody super directly connected to you, but it's still a hard thing. I'm sure yeah. to talk about being there when it happens. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I know how much it affects me and it's just amazing. I really didn't have it that, that bad. I mean, terrible things happened in proximity to me and it's tough. And I just can't imagine being involved with one of the 32, uh, closer than I was. So, uh, that we can file that with the 9/11 talk that we had a couple months ago. Every once in a while, we have to dive into the negative, um, but uh, I guess we're all stronger for it in some way. Uh, we appreciate y'all listening this week, and uh, I'm glad to be fully back, healthy, uh, and uh, no more illnesses gonna set in. Uh, 
to um, bring on, you know, out of towners on, on our, on, onto our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan did a great job for us. I'm not trying to talk trash there. Uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure you're subscribed, follow, uh, interact with us on Twitter or any way you would like to. Um, and also get out to some of these high school games because uh, it's perfect weather to get out there and see these kids. And uh, it is not the most popular sport. It's not basketball and football and volleyball, the ones we you know talked about in a lot of the other seasons. But it's really good athletic competition. Everybody trying hard. And there's there's a state champion in this area. We don't know which team that is, but I just have that feeling we're going to have a state champion this spring in one of these sports. Get out there and and try to you know see them along the way. So it'll, it'll be fun. Listen to us next week. We'll be back with some NFL draft talk, more spring sports talk, and uh, more baseball talk. And we look forward to talking to you all next week. Thanks. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.